Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As the Nationals are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. As Hudson tries to close it out. It'll be another 3-2 pitch to Michael Brantley. Hudson sets. The kick and here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world. What's up, everyone? It's your boy. Amanda is here, but she is dying from her three-month bender celebrating the World Series. So <laughs> she is going to do minimal talking, just like you all like. Um, but it is Nick, uh, joined by not only Amanda, but Ryan as well. Um, you can follow us, Ryan and myself, at DC Natchek. Follow Amanda at AWhite7877 and follow the show at half street high heat but amanda we know how you're doing ryan how you doing bud you know <laughs> life is great it is what it should be shout out to drake <laughs> life is good life is yummy anyway <laughs> oh god that's all the word my entire life <laughs> but but according to justin bieber we have to do whatever we can to get it to number one it's god's uh, plan uh, god's plan you, i'm streaming life is do you good, take advice so. from justin bieber very often is that <laughs> Just listen to the futures part of life is good. Cut out Drake. <laughs> Completely different song. Boycott Drake and uh, Justin Bieber 2020. <laughs> Amanda, wow. do you have to cough? Blank once for yes, twice for no. <laughs> I don't currently, but I'm sure that I will. So if I randomly go silent in the middle of a conversation, it's because I'm coughing. And I will mute you so you all don't have to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, because more than anything, what we want to do is listen to you talk. Um, yeah, so we have, a, <laughs> we have a good show for you today. Uh, it's good that we uh, postponed it today because kind of big news uh, happening just today. Just a little bit. Just a little, a little bit. stuff going on. <laughs> a little bit. But before we talk Astro's Punishment and the rest of the week in review, um, I mean, we have an interview with Sam Fortier 
officially our best friend. Uh, a great interview. Ryan and I were on that. Um, honestly, the most fun I've ever had doing an interview. It was pretty awesome. So you'll hear that. No offense, other people who've been interviewed, I absolutely <laughs> love you too. <laughs> um, we have a quick Winterfest recap uh, with some interesting comments from personnel and players. And we have uh, kind of our list that we do every single episode. But this week will be our favorite, most random Nats of all time, which we'll get to a little bit later. But Ryan, it's your time to shine, bud. What happened this yes. week that we need to know? <clears throat> So this went from a very, very boring week to a great week. Like my week review yesterday I typed up was so short, but now it's loaded. In case you did not know, the biggest story of the offseason and honestly quite some time in baseball, the Astros signed stealing controversy. The punishment finally came out. Um, it was announced that the Astros president of baseball operations and GM, as well as their manager, A.J. Hinch, would be suspended one year without pay. The Astros were fined $5 million. That's the highest allowed under the CBA. That's also the equivalent to signing Todd Frazier, which may be a worse penalty. Um, the Astros also forfeited their first and second round picks in 2020 and 2021. 29 GMs <laughs> and owners just went, that's it. Um, absolutely nothing for a punishment. The Astros announced that they are firing both um, their GM and the manager um, because of their role. MLB does have a history of going light for first-time suspensions. Um, example, the first time they had a domestic violence suspension, it was only 10 games. The second time <laughs> around, they usually get it right. So if your name's Alex Cora, in other words, you're screwed. Um, as the report, as it's not entirely been released yet, um, every single person who talks through Alex Cora underneath the bus, in case you guys did not see the report, it's pretty funny. Um, everyone said that he instituted it, he was behind it, and he helped relay everything. Um, AJ Hinch said he was against it and destroyed the monitors twice. That's nice, AJ, but you did not tell the players to stop or go to the front office. I'm sure Joe Paul was against what Sandusky did, but you're just as guilty as everyone who did the sign stealing. Um, wow, the Red Sox fired. I mean, if you know, you're just as guilty. The Red Sox are currently under investigation for electronically stealing signs during the 2018 World Series run. You know who their manager was? Alex Cora. This is a Red Sox second <laughs> incident with sign stealing. In case you're wondering, 2017, they stole signs with Apple watches. Well, if Ryan, you know what they say, though. Sign steal delivered, I'm yours. Wow. Come on. That was good. <laughs> it's, it's a tough scene. Come on. <laughs> I Moving thought that was on. a surefire one. <laughs> Screw you guys. I think the, the deafening silence when you said it is probably a pretty good indication of how good it was. I know that was funny. <laughs> Screw you guys. Um, if they're guilty, the Red Sox will get at least the same punishment as the Astros. Sources say it could be more. The one man who's 100% getting laid off is Alex Cora. He's already found guilty for 2017. And now this, that's two straight years he cheated to win a World Series. Odds are he's already coached his last game. Of the, for the Red Sox, and it's very likely that he's coached his last game for Major League Baseball altogether. The best news of the week, the internet and the Dodgers beat reporters are suggesting that the Dodgers throw a World Series parade for the 2017 and 2018 World Series victories. Oh Not my sure God. that's how it works. And then 
the Red Sox. You know, there's a saying in the PR world that, you know, any news is good news, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be arguing that right <laughs> now because before this came out, um, they had to fire a clubhouse assistant who was accused of 26 counts of aggravated felonious assault and sexual assault, one of all of them with a minor, and one of them he held a minor to gun point. Not the best week for the Red Sox at all. Moving on to the transitions, Cardinals and Rockies have trade talks for Arenado. Cubs have also checked in and have thought about trading for Arenado to move Chris Bryant to center field, which makes no sense. Todd Frazier gets a one-year deal with the Rangers. Life really sucks for them. Alex Wood is back with the Dodgers. The Red Sox traded for Austin Bryce. And the Cardinals traded for Jose Martinez. And they uh, got the Rays' top lefty prospect. The Nationals finish off their week of moves, signing Eric Thames to a one-year deal with a mutual option for the second year. Nationals have been pretty aggressive since the new year started, making lots of splashes. But time will tell what impact they have if they do not get a true middle-of-the-order bat. And that was a very busy week in review. Indeed. Um, yeah. Probably the one of the biggest points that I don't want to gloss over, because obviously that was a lot, and we're going to have a lot to talk about, but before I forget, one of the biggest points that I was not aware of until you enlightened me, thank you for that, um, was that the highest penalty uh, you could find a team under the CBA was $5 million. Cause um, I know, I, I think it's one of our Twitter questions, but um, I know people were like, well, $5 million in exchange for a world series, every owner is going to take that like 10 times out of 10. I oh, mean, the, the, the revenue you get from a world series, like covers 5 million and then some, and not that $5 million is anything to a, a billion dollar industry anyways, but um, so that's that's definitely good to know that they didn't just slap down the the maximum fine and call it a day. Like obviously there was the the two suspensions for uh, Hinch and their general manager, and then the loss of draft picks and whatnot. Um, and it was still like uh, I know the general consensus is that it it was very light, um, and I, I agree. Like I, I don't want that to be misconstrued at all but i mean i also don't think you can necessarily take away their title i just don't know like if you can obviously you can do that i i just don't think that would necessarily do anything because you can't really hand it to the dodgers anyways because not no but you could vacate it and that's what i think right i guess that's that's the message that should have been sent if you really want nobody to do this again then you say that world series you don't have rings those rings don't mean anything that didn't happen you don't have a world series championship that's how you deter this in the future and i was pissed when i saw this come down this you know two guys within the organization get a year suspension and everything else is you know draft picks four draft picks over two years and five million dollars it's nothing it's not a deterrent, and it just it's it's to me just like I said this on Twitter right after I saw the news break. It's just like with the steroids. It's just like with the domestic violence. And Major League Baseball is making a very clear statement here that they don't really care that much. If they cared, they would make it. They would punish them in such a way that nobody would ever do this again because it's not worth it. And they didn't do that. I agree. I'm very like, disappointed. If you look at it, yeah, the Astros lost four draft picks, but. 
the Astros have draft picks at the end of the draft first, like the first and second right. round. It's anyways. really not much. And like in baseball, right. it's like they've been one of the best teams, so they're gonna. What, ha- yeah, it's ridiculous. What are your draft picks, anyways? Like they still got their great young core. Not a single player got suspended. They still have their ring, and people are like, yeah, your ring is tainted. But then today, flags fly forever. So like they didn't deter a single team from doing this. Because look at like no. when teams make a World Series run, they usually sign players to a qualifying offer. You lose draft picks for that. You're signing players for five plus million dollars. Right. Like it's and tortured. how many draft picks even wind up in the major leagues? It's such a BS punishment. Like, draft picks. Bregman I mean, in baseball, who cares about draft picks? Exactly. It takes five years on average for a draft pick to make it pro. Like it doesn't make an impact. Like Alex Bregman literally admitted that they did it with his little wink, wink comment. All the reports and all the people interviewed said that the players and Alex Cora institute this entire thing. Yeah. And not a single and it player me off that the players aren't getting any punishment at all. They just do this with impunity. It's so terrible. I just, I, I think major league baseball really missed an opportunity to bring the hammer down here and, and restore some integrity to the process. But if you're a Dodgers fan and I hate the Dodgers, but if you're a Dodgers fan, I cannot even imagine how this would feel. <laughs> like so you had mad. two back-to-back losses in the World Series to teams that were cheating. It is just – I can't even imagine what that feels like. And, like, I hate the NCAA. I think they are the worst organization in the world. They're so oh, corrupt. Yeah. But the one thing they get right is penalties. And, like, they'll strip wins from everyone and titles from everyone to stop, like, deterring people from doing that next. And – I don't know if they could have done that. It that would have been like something unprecedented for major league sports. But yeah. in the day, like this is a good groundwork, but the Astros got off very lucky with this. Because like they're not really deterred. They have the same team as they did last two years. They're probably still gonna win a hundred games and go deep in the playoffs. Do you again. think so? Or do you think that they're I bet you the differential between their home and away win loss percentage is not going to be as dramatic as it has been the last couple of years. I, mean, I think they you're gonna still, see No, they were still very good on the road this past year. Yeah, they, they were good, but not as good as they were at home. Though. Well, they were otherworldly at home, which, yeah, yeah, obviously the sign stealing certainly helped. But I think even if it comes back down to what it is on the road, they're still like a 95-win team. Yeah, I mean, they still and got that's the thing that pisses me off them. is they didn't really get punished because the guys who were engaging in this, some of their best players, didn't get any punishment at all. And, it, yeah. and to me, it's just so unfair. And you look at the guys. I forget. Who was it? His name always escapes me. Mike Fire? who um, – no, not that guy. The guy who got banned from baseball for like an illegal international signing. No, oh, not oh, that guy. Oh, oh, I remember oh, his oh, name. Oh, you know Anthopoulos? The... Yeah. Like that guy got banned from baseball. Banned from baseball for illegal si- international signings for people right. that never even made it to the major leagues and had no impact on a single major league game. These guys cheated their way to a World Series championship and they don't get, nobody gets banned from baseball. You know, like, it, yeah. it's just outlandish. I can't believe yeah. that this is all it was. So, I, I really was, thought there's been all this, it's going to be so harsh, and it just isn't at all. It's terrible. Well, the report isn't all the way out. Like, the official report hasn't been released, and it's believed that they could get more punishment. Like, A.J. Hinch is never going to coach again in baseball. Like, he basically no, got not. a lifelong suspension, same as their GM. When Alex Cora gets his punishment, he's never going to coach again. It's like, those guys are essentially going to get lifelong bans but like it's so dumb to look at like trivial things where guys can't get in the hall of fame for over 
and like getting banned for baseball just because gambling. Now gambling's coming widely like legal across the country. But then you got this, and they're like, eh. lose a couple. But to me, all of those previous, all of those previous scandals that have rocked baseball in the past. When you look at literally cheating your way to a World Series championship, and you don't know how much of it. I mean, maybe it's only a ten percent, you know, advantage that you're getting. But you're getting an illegal advantage in you know the most competitive games of the season. It's just it's so grossly unfair that I just can't believe this is it. I can't believe that this is what baseball is going to do about it. It's, I, I really have higher hopes. I guess I shouldn't have because they've, they seem to always not do the right thing when it comes to punishments for stuff like this. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I am extremely disappointed in the decision that the MLB made. No, I, I mean, I get it. Um, but to Ryan's point, one, like, well, Ryan made a couple good points. Um, there hasn't really been a precedent for this. Like, we haven't seen everyone steals signs, but we haven't seen it to this level. At least we haven't seen it uncovered to this level. So this was like, they didn't really have much to go off of. Um, so maybe in their eyes, this punishment was like, was laying down the law, but also MLB, as we saw with Pete Rose and Anthopolis, I think that's his name. I hope I'm I'm not like confusing him. It's something um, like that. It has some P's in it. I remember that. Right. Um, MLB is more likely to make an example out of a person, specifically a manager. Like Pete Rose was a manager at the time that he got a lifetime ban. Um, Anthopolis was a GM. I, I think that person is going to be Alex Cora. Uh, I think obviously they had to do the Red Sox investigation before they could give a punishment for Alex Cora, because obviously he's involved in both organizations. But the fact that he brought this system, this illegal system from one organization to another and had success in both years, uh, I, I think he's going to get a lifetime ban. Uh, and I think that's what MLB is going to I hope he does. like hang their hat on as a deterrent, because I, I agree with you guys. I'm not trying to argue for the Astros by any means. Like the, the punishment or the punishment was really light and it is essentially a slap on the wrist for a team like the Astros. Like if you take away draft picks from like the Royals or something like, yeah, that team's going to be hurting for a while. Um, but the Astros, they're going to be fine. They, they're, they're stacked. They didn't really have room for prospects to grow anyways because they're blocked at the major league level. So the Astros will be fine, but I think one way or another, Alex Cora is not coaching again, but I think the punishment will also reflect that he won't ever be allowed to. The, uh, go ahead, Ryan. The Red Sox need to fire Alex Cora ASAP as possible to try to distance themselves from this thing and be like, look, we had absolutely nothing to do with this. Don't give us that big of a fine. Like this is all Alex Cora because they're about to get hit pretty hard too. Um, yeah, but that's such BS. They, but they, he's been there for two years. You think that nobody else in the organization knew what was going on? I mean, if I, they mean fire I think you're him, right they that they ought to fire him. I think they should. I think you're completely right, but I don't think anybody's going to believe that it was just Alex Cora and the rest of the Red Sox organization is innocent. Well, no, I mean, they won't, but if you do that, that's a great PR move right now that can go greatly yeah, in your agreed. favor. And Especially like, before, yeah, the punishment is exactly. levied. As soon as you're like, oh, we saw this report, we want nothing to do with this guy. Like, we don't want him just staining our name as a historic franchise. And, like, they got to fire him quick, so that's going to be pretty interesting to watch. But, I don't know, I mean, 
this was a tough ground, like we said, for MLB because they've never had something like this before, and they usually get it wrong the first time. So I think now there's going to be more teams that come out. Like the Yankees' name was dropped in this report, but like they didn't really have evidence. So going forward, the more teams, they're going to find what that precedent precedent is of what the standard thing is going to be, and the odds are it's going to be a lot tougher than the punishment the Astros got. Yeah. yeah, I could see that being the case. What do you guys think about Fires now? Like, is he was something of a pariah, I think, when this first all came out. And They're all now like fired. Like and all of that. <laughs> I mean, he's still, he's still And I like it. But, like. <laughs> right, but, you know, do you think, it, you know, there's always that, are you a snitch or are you a whistleblower? You know, that's, that's not just in sports, but in anything. Like, there's so, always this code of silence. But, like, I'm glad he brought it all out. I'm glad that he said something because none of this would have happened if there, somebody wasn't willing to go on the record and say this is happening. The fact that he attached his name to it was a good move. It was risky for sure because it easily could be um, – like he could be blackballed by players and teams in his current locker room. Also, it could have been blackballed. Right, by exactly. It was risky, but in the terms of the overall perspective on the scandal with not only the Astros but the Red Sox as well, um, he needed to do that because if it was just like rumors and uh, unnamed source, it would have gotten not squashed, yeah. but diminished but and I, I don't know and, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if the punishment would have been i mean the we he attached his name to it and the punishment wasn't good enough as is so imagine if he didn't uh put his name on it and it wasn't a credible source how like little the punishment would have been uh to the astros so i mean good for him he's definitely going to experience some um, I, I think when his contract's done with the A's, I doubt a team signs and maybe like the Royals or I'm really poo-pooing on the Royals today. Sorry, Royals fans. I know. Um, but <laughs> I was like, like, what the Royals ever do to you? Jeez. Yeah, his days playing like competitive baseball are probably over. Um, and maybe he's okay with that. Maybe he knew what he was doing when he attached his name to it. Um, but that's a good point. Yeah, no one's really awesome. talking about him anymore. Yeah, it is. But and his name will probably be forgotten when we look back on this in 10 years or so, just because... It'll be a Jeopardy question in 10 years. <laughs> right. Uh, that Ken Jennings can win. Um, but... I haven't watched, finished watching it yet. Don't tell me who won. <laughs> I'm um, t it. But one of the like ideas I had that... Because I, I, I agree with Ryan's final point, um, kind of jumping around here, that I don't think you could, at least at this point in time, vacate the World Series title. Like, I get the NCAA does it, and now that they did it once, they're just doing it all over. Um, I don't think you can do that yet in, in, uh, in any of the major sports, but baseball in particular. One compromise I think you could do is just make them postseason ineligible for a year or whatever it may be. I think that's a good, uh, certainly a better punishment. I don't know how you would go about, like, reconciling with the free agent signings or the players that sign long-term deals or whatever like that I would certainly be a lot to figure out but I think that's one uh, yeah 
I think the simpler thing would have been to just vacate the World Series championship, vacate that, and just say that doesn't count. And then what I would do, and this is this is as harsh as harsh gets, I would have taken any players that they know did it, anybody who admitted it, anybody who you know there's incontrovertible evidence engaged in this. I would tell, I would make them non Hall of Fame eligible. You cheated. You can't be in the Hall of Fame. And then I would vacate the World Series. That is the punishment I would have liked to have seen, is just bring the hammer down on everybody. And the players just skating on all of this just makes my blood boil. It's so ridiculous that they're just going to get away with it. And they're not even naming them in the report of the players they know were engaged in this. You should at least be publicly shamed. And everybody right. should know that you did it. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 no, letting I, them off not free it. just pisses me off. I get it. It, it would just be tough. The burden of proof would be tough. Uh, yeah, but you don't need a burden of proof. It's not a court. Baseball can do whatever they want. They can say, we know it's these 15 players simple. were engaged it in it. And we're, they can do whatever they want. It, it's that simple. They can, but it's not that simple. Like, they're I, not I, the, just, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it is what it is at this point. We'll see what the Red Sox get. I would. Do you think the Red Sox get the same punishment, less, more? So, um, I think it depends on what they were doing. If it was exactly the same, they'll probably. Well, this is so, technically their second offense because of the Apple Watch mm, thing. Ken Rosenthal true. said That's they're going point. to get at least the same punishment, and it's expected more. They were doing with Alex Cora's. They were using the replay room to get the signs, and they were relay it to people on base who were relay it to the batter. So Alex Cora was like, mm, they're kind of on to me. Let me mix it up a little bit. So that's what they were doing all throughout their season. They had a historically good offense. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. So if I they find the why. evidence, like they're going to have to. And it, it's all, that's but a good what point, helps, yeah. But what helps them, though, is that all the teams in the playoffs tipped off MLB about them doing this. So MLB put officials in the replay room during the World Series. So they did not technically cheat in the World Series. They just cheated to get their way there. Right. I mean, it also just goes to show, like, we talk about how big the drop-off for the Astros is going to be now that we know they're not going to be cheating this upcoming year. Like, look at the drop-off for the Red Sox. They went from one of the best teams of all time in 2018 to missing the playoffs in 2019 with essentially the same yep. team. Like, that's... Yep. I mean, that we, we might be seeing, I think yeah. you're going to see a drop-off from the that. Astros. Mm -hmm. I think you will, especially because who's going to manage them? I mean, A.J. Hinch is obviously a cheating they crap, but he also was manager. a good manager. Yeah, they named the interim manager. It was one of their bench coaches or something, which I don't know if that's an no. improvement because he probably knew about the whole thing as well. Um, but that was going to be ones who were kind of wrapped up. Who do you think – because Alex Cora is not coaching again. Um can we get a call for Dusty Baker, anybody? <laughs> Dave Ortiz. <laughs> I'm sure some of Nat's Twitter will be calling for Dusty Baker. But I, I was joking with Ryan earlier, and I said they're going to hire David Ortiz. Um, I, a candidate I think is like a legitimate uh, like option for the Red Sox, and I don't know what he's doing at this point in life. I mean, who knows? But I think someone like Jason Veritek would probably mean a lot just because it's it's going to be such a like best case scenario asterisk on the the Red Sox as a whole that they're going to need someone like profound to kind of write the ship and like correct the narrative so I think someone like that would be someone with some some gravitas <laughs> right exactly and with the Astros they already named 
they named their bench coach the interim manager, so I don't know if he's going to stick or, or whatnot. But uh, I have with to the think Red they're going to get somebody else before the season starts. Are they really going to go into the season with the bench coach who was there through all of this crap that just happened? I, I don't can't know. Imagine they would do that. Maybe. I mean, it's yeah. a. I don't know. I think the the fact that they promoted within says that they want to try to keep like that coaching staff together. Because obviously it wasn't a bad coaching staff; they were just cheating. So yeah, well, cheating sucks, and cheaters suck, and Astros you suck. So that's <laughs> my my analysis of the situation. Yeah, that hard hitting analysis that fans come to. Yes, this is the kind of thing that people to. come here to hear for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that kind of did it for our baseball talk. Um, certainly, a lot to. Uh, dive into there so feel free to mention uh, us on twitter to uh, let us know what you think uh, but let's move on to some nats related notes and we have a special interview with sam forte of the washington post uh this is his third time on the podcast uh like i said earlier officially our best friend i <laughs> texted him on a like like last tuesday and keep in mind this is like in the middle of the Nat signing Eric Thames and Will Hud- Will Hudson, Will Harris, Daniel Hudson, like literally in the middle of all that. And obviously with the Nats doing so much, I wanted to get an interview get with Sam and see what his thoughts were. And I texted him and literally within 30 seconds, he replied. It was awesome. It was awesome. BFF. Official, official best official. friend. <laughs> and it was funny because as literally as soon as I asked if he was like, if he had time, uh, another signing broke. And I can't remember who was the last person that that signed. Wasn't it Thames? Was it Thames? I thought there was yeah. someone after that. Well, that was him. Okay. And so I maybe, I think it was him. yeah, maybe it was, it was like right before the team signing. Like I texted him, I hit send the message delivered and then boom, notification Ken Rosenthal that the, uh, Nat signed Eric Thames. And he still said yes to the interview. Best friend, oh, Sam Fortier coming up right here. Here we go. What's up, everybody? You're here with Nick and Ryan, and we are joined by a very special guest, our first ever three-time guest on the episode, Sam Forte of the Washington Post. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, thank you. I, I did not realize I was the first three-time guest. I'm honored. I know, <laughs> right? You're, like, officially our best friend now. And plus, for people who don't know, well, I, I, no one knows, but... I, I texted you right away, or uh, texted you earlier, and you responded to me right away. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, arbitration day is a little busy. Still waiting on Trey Turner. Hopefully that happens uh, at some point soon. But, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think we all expect a deal to get done. I mean, I would hope they don't go to arbitration, but uh, we'll get into that. Um but obviously a big week or so of Nats moves, a lot of pieces uh, signed, a lot of wholesale, but obviously there's still one big question to be addressed. So we're going to start with that. Uh, what's the story behind you modeling as a child? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, like, honestly, I it wasn't like something that my family had ever done, but like, uh, I grew up in a real small town, like a thousand people in New Hampshire, but apparently like the way my mom tells it, something about like, I just had like, really red hair and they didn't like, I guess like <laughs> child acting agency, they didn't get red hair. So I got pulled in and, uh, 
it was kind of wild. Like, I did Staples Back to School 2002. I ate uh, pizza with one of those dragons from Dragon Tales. I don't know if you guys remember that from, like, PBS. No way. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, like, I don't know. They just, like, they, they had me do, like, a couple of shoots for, like, I remember one, like, I, it's a, uh, oh, God, like, what's that big construction company? Um, Cat. And they had, like, you know, those, like, toys you played with they were like big trucks now oh, yeah. like, home. And I, was truck, like, yeah. I was like this job yeah exactly and i got to take like a couple models home and it was like i would just like you know <laughs> uh, like play in the sandbox with them or whatever i thought it was like the sickest thing ever uh but actually <laughs> you guys will appreciate this i did it for like a couple of years and then my mom was like hey uh these shoot times it was in boston which is like 90 minutes from my from where i grew up and my mom was like hey uh you have to decide between you know the modeling acting thing or t-ball like you know those are at the same time and i was like oh easy choice how am i supposed to get drafted number one like by the boston <laughs> if i'm not practicing <laughs> so i gave up modeling and acting to play t-ball and i didn't even make high school i was so bad uh so terrible decision by me long term <laughs> that's amazing oh, so do you man. not look good in green <laughs> oh man dude that that i remember that was like my self-confidence got hit so hard. I was, like, five years old, and they were like, hey, you can't wear that shirt. Like, you don't look good, man. This kid would look better. And I was like, this is my shirt. Like, I, I wore this for, like, a play date yesterday. Like, you can't, you can't go at me like that. Oh, man, thank God you're not a reporter for the – thank God you're not a reporter for, like, the A's or something. You would never be able to wear green again. <laughs> right, right. Oh, my God. That that would be a worst-case scenario from deal. <laughs> That's but, I, I, we all saw it on, on Twitter, but I didn't expect the story to be that. Uh, that that was awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, so moving on. Obviously, Will Harris, Daniel Hudson, Azrubal Cabrera, Eric Thames, um, I mean, all great pieces, but obviously there's still some work to be done, at least in the eyes of fans. I mean, fans know all, right, at least according to Twitter. Um, what are the Nats? thinking of doing at third base? Are they comfortable with what they have, or do you expect a move to be made either in free agency or a trade? So my impression right now is that at third base, this is kind of what they're rocking with. I, I think Starling Castro, they like him. Uh, I think they like him at second base. That's his best defensive position. But I think right now mm -hmm. they're prepared to move into the season with Starling or Dribble as at third base. I, I don't think um, – Josh Donaldson is a realistic target for them anymore. Uh, I think, you know, just with, with everything that we've heard, reportedly he wants to stay in Atlanta. Uh, the Nationals' four-year, $100 million offer is still on the table. But I don't think the Nationals are expecting um, – I think it would be extremely unlikely for him to sign at this point. So uh, if you look at the, you know, the trade market, you, you have to look at, you know, uh, Chris Bryant's the big name of it out there, but reportedly they've asked for Victor, Victor Robles, and I, I don't think that's something the Nationals are, are willing to do. Kyle Seeger for the Seattle Mariners makes a lot more sense. He has two more years left in the deal, $35 million total. Uh, but right now, my impression is that the Nationals are willing to go into the season uh, with Starling Castro and Dribble Cabrera, some combination of the two at third base. Yeah, all right, mean, all right. It, it definitely, they filled some holes, but... I guess I'll ask the question that a lot of fans are going to be asking. Do you think that's enough? Is this, like, enough to – did they do enough to warrant a chance to repeat? So if you look at the bullpen, the bullpen obviously is 
much strengthened. You you have to imagine. Uh, I should say last year they went into the season thinking bullpen was going to be solid, right? Like you had Kyle Barrett mm-hmm. and, and Trevor Rosenthal building <laughs> the bridge to, to Sean Doolittle. That's legends. <laughs> right. Kyle Barraclaw had his ERA and his innings pitch had expanded, you know, three straight years. Um, Trevor Rosenthal had, hadn't pitched in 18 months coming off Tommy John. Will Harris is, is one of the best relievers in baseball in the last five years. And, and Daniel Hudson, you know, I think Daniel Hudson would tell you that he's not going to repeat what he did last year, but he's still a very mm-hmm. solid piece who's been solid for a long time. You have to feel better about your bullpen. But that being said, bullpens are the most volatile of a baseball team of any baseball team year to year. Um, mm-hmm. So that makes you feel great. And I think when you when you look at this lineup and you go from Anthony Rendon, at, not just at third base, but if you go to Starling Castro, you know, offering Juan Soto protection in the fourth slot, that is, that's a real step down. Obviously, any, any step from Anthony Rendon is going to be a step down. But uh, is this team the, the favorite to win the NL East? If that's your third base plan, I don't think you can say they're the favorite. I think they have a realistic shot. Uh, this team is as deep as, as anybody else. But when you look at the firepower that the Braves have, when you look at how they've addressed their bullpen as well, um, I think the Nationals are, you know, it's cert- they're certainly in the mix. They're certainly a strong contender. But you, you can't say that they're the favorite uh, with, with that as your third-base solution. Yeah, I mean, that's the same opinion that I have. And I'm sure, Ryan, you have the same opinion. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> um, Put it gently. I, yeah. So. I saw Mark Zuckerman tweet out that the Nats have 38 of their 40, uh, 40 man spots taken. What do you think the plan is for the last two? And is it realistic to think that maybe Zim isn't a lock to come back next year? Like we're all assuming he is. Uh, the one of those spots is going to be the right-handed first base option to platoon with Eric Haynes. Um, we don't know exactly who that is. Obviously I think Brian Zerman fits the mold. I think they'd like to bring him back. I think he'd like to be back. Um, that to me remains the most realistic option. Like you guys said, it's not a guarantee. There are certainly other pieces out there on the market, but that is sort of what I would imagine plan A is. Um, in terms of that 40th spot, Jesse and I, Jesse Doherty, my B partner and I were actually just debating this, uh, <laughs> like a half hour ago, like what are they going to do with that 40th slot? Um, and, and he brought up the interesting idea that you just kind of leave that spot open. So, you know, you don't have to BFA a guy or, you know, Maybe Javi Guerra pitches well in the minors, or you know pitches well in spring mm-hmm. training. I think we think I, I think it's a realistic expectation to say that they're going to go into spring without that 40th slot filled, and then just see what happens in spring, uh, and then make the move. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect anything imminent once you get that right-handed first base option. So you're, uh, what I'm hearing is that they're saving it for Chris Bryant. <laughs> that, if that's the case, that would be a huge surprise. <laughs> um, oh, man. My next question I got for you is, so it kind of looked like after the season that Carter Keeboom was going to be a pretty solid part of this team next year, and now his path is a little questionable right now with the additions of Estrebo Cabrera and Castro. Do you think he's going to spend most of his time down AAA next year, or will he be a vital part of the team if he tears up in spring training? General manager Mike Rizzo's philosophy has not changed from last year in terms of Carter Keeboom will not be at the major league level unless there are consistent at-bats, consistent starts for him here. With the roster construction now, unless Carter Keeboom outplays as Drupal Cabrera or something like that in the spring, 
you would have to imagine a, a starting lineup of something like Starlin at third or Zrubal at second or interchange those pieces. He would have to show the Nationals that he is superior to both of those players, I think, to merit you know that, that active roster. Even those 26 players now, uh, that, that 26 spot. Obviously, we've heard a lot about Carter Keeblum's defense needing to improve. We saw that when he came up in May last year. That's, I think, the thing mm-hmm. that, that they need him to address, especially uh, if you're going to roll him out at third in any situation. I mean, he made four errors there in 10 games at uh, AAA last year. Um, that's something that needs to be addressed. He's, he's, he's better at second, but, he, but he's not sure-handed by any means. Um, he would have to show a lot of, a lot of improvement um, in the spring, I think, to, to merit a, one of those 26 spots going into the season. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was always obviously we all saw his defensive struggles at shortstop when he came up. Uh, granted, small sample size in May of last season, um, but it was always my mindset that if you struggle at short, you might profile better as a third baseman just because it's more instinct. The ball gets to you quicker. It's not like over analysis paralysis and and whatnot. And obviously, we know uh, Key Boom and basically anyone who makes it to the big league level has talent. Um, not necessarily uh, that it always translates. So do you think Keyboom would profile better as a second baseman as opposed to a third baseman? Do you think that's where his future's at? That seems to be the Nationals thinking, at least. When we heard he was changing positions last year, um, you know, mm-hmm. in June, I think, when he went back down, they had him playing more second base, and, and I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but he played a lot of second base last year and then kind of shifted to third um, in that last month of the Fresno Grizzlies season. Um, and I think that was a response to, oh, maybe the odds of us losing Anthony are, are higher now. And as far as mm-hmm. sort of where he profiles better, he has more experience at second. Maybe he's been taking more grounders at third or something this offseason. But just from what we know the last time we saw him, second base would, would be a likelier fit for him than third. Yeah. I mean, four errors in 10 games isn't the best. I mean, you're approaching Ian Desmond levels uh, when you put those numbers over a course of 162-game season. Um, but I think I asked you this last time we had you on, but I'm just curious to see what people who get paid more than I do to talk baseball uh, think. Um, if you were Mike Rizzo or you were the decision-maker for the Nats, how would you, obviously given the current roster construction, how would you finish out this this uh, off season, or how would you go into spring training uh, to to round out your your twenty five twenty six man roster? In terms of who who are the last few players I'd add, right, and then maybe like starting lineup combinations or anything like that. Right. Um, Mike Rizzo has a lot more information. I feel like I need to hedge this a little bit because I don't <laughs> I don't want him to you know get on anybody or anything about it, but. Um, he obviously has a lot more information than I do. Dave Martinez, they're, they're much smarter about baseball. But from my understanding, that right-handed bat, I, I do think, um, obviously we've seen Ryan Zimmerman hit the injury bug a couple times throughout his career, and, and plantar fasciitis, the thing that sidelined him last year, mm-hmm. um, was a big deal. But I do think, you know, the Viejos, all the, all the talk of steadying ve- veteran presences um, last season, I think Ryan Zimmerman is probably would be my pick, um, to, to be that right-handed hitting first baseman to, to platoon with Thames. I mean, this clubhouse, obviously you're never going to replicate the chemistry they had last season, but I think Zim is, is still an integral part of that. And, uh, you know, he, he's sort of that gruff guy that, that you know, helps get, the, uh, helps get the rookies in line and, and, you know, 
when they lose, it's not a big deal. When they win, it's not a big deal. But I, as you saw last year, um, he can still kind of get up and rally the, uh, the players as need be. I, I just think his, his familiarity, his experience, I mean, you know, he's still a very good defender at first base. Um, and mm-hmm. he can still mash left-handed hitting. So I think just, just the known commodity that he is sort of makes him uh, makes him a pretty wise investment. In terms of 40th spot, I would, I would you know, I would sort of align myself with Jesse's thinking and kind of leave that open and see who impresses you in, in spring um, and kind of, you know, make that, a, make that really, you know, a tryout uh, sort of spot. And then in terms of lineups, um, I think, I mean, obviously you stick uh, with the same at the top. you got to go uh, Turner, Eaton, Soto for the top three. And then that fourth spot I think is where the lineups really start getting interesting. I think right, right. now just because – I mean, Sterling Castro does have some poppy at 22 home runs last year, um, and I think he profiles better as, as your cleanup hitter um, than anyone else you have. And it's not—I don't think that's an indication of Sterling Castro being a great power hitter. I, th- I think it's just like who else you're going to put in that spot. You know what I'm saying? Right, and protection for Soto too. Right, exactly. Uh, right. And you kind of keep that righty-lefty thing going, and then from from there, I mm-hmm. think you can kind of piecemeal it. You can piecemeal the lineup together every night. You know, who's catching Gomes or Suzuki? who's starting in second, you know, Howie or – I mean, you could put Howie in that fourth spot um, when he's in the lineup, but obviously, like we saw last year, um, he's, he's going to be a big load manager case. I think that's actually something that people aren't talking about that people should realize is Dave Martinez showed, you know, last year, he showed in some ways he's, he's remarkable at being able to balance workloads and keep guys healthy for the whole season because through all those injuries, he leaned on Howie, but – he got Howie all the way to the end of the year, and obviously Howie comes up with the two biggest hits of the national season. But in some ways, Dave Martinez showed that you know his his load management abilities weren't up to par in terms of the bullpen. He, you know, uh, he rode Wander Suero as hard as you could ride a reliever, um, <laughs> and the same, same with John Doolittle. He kind of he kind of almost broke those two guys, and he did break Doolittle. Um, that's something that I think this bullpen construction is trying to overcompensate for. So when you when you add guys like Thames or Cabrera or Castro, um, I mean these are guys that have mileage on them and are going to need. You know, uh, Sterling Castro probably won't be able to play 155 games, 160 games like Anthony Rendon did, did this year. I mean he he has a track record. I understand of playing every day, but just when you talk about sort of how veteran this team is, uh, you're going right. to need to balance. And I think that's maybe Dave Martinez's biggest challenge. Um, other than repeating and keeping a locker room just as hungry. But in terms of logistics, that's, I think, his biggest problem this year. Yeah, uh, that makes sense because I know, obviously, everyone was super excited when we saw how he was uh, re-signing and for good reason. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how uh, how he responds another year older. And obviously, you said, like you said, uh, Dave, he's good with load management and whatnot. But it will be interesting to see. Um, one question I had is that, so let's talk about Victor Robles because obviously his name's come up a lot as like a non-starter in some of these hypothetical trade discussions. Um, all points are that he's going to obviously be on the team this year. He won't be traded uh, in any capacity. If he starts picking up, is there any point to move him towards the top of the lineup or would you still keep him down towards the, the bottom, maybe even ninth in bat the pitcher eighth, so he's like a second leadoff guy? I, I have never uh, been a fan of, I know Davey loves him as the second leadoff guy. I've never 
uh, you know, been a fan of that. I think you always want to have your more dynamic hitters at the top of the lineup to get them more at bats, mm -hmm. uh, more plate appearances. Right. But I do think Victor Robles has a, a long way to go. I, mean, I think we saw that in the postseason. When he, when he lays down bunts, when he lets kind of his natural athleticism ride, that's when he's at his strongest. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, teams were just crushing him with, uh, you know, off-speed, breaking pitches, you know, in the month of September mm -hmm. and, and October. That's kind of his biggest adjustment, I think. Obviously, he's a full-glove caliber defensive player, but, but can he adjust? When teams are attacking him, um, when they get him out over the plate, uh, when they go away and then come back inside on him, is that an adjustment he's able to make? So if he's, if he's able to show, you know, in the spring or, you know, the first couple months of the season that he can, he can stay on those curveballs, if he's not a liability, if he's protecting his weaknesses, then you move him up um, and maybe you can even put him uh, sixth or fifth behind Howie, behind that top, to, to restart uh, the lineup or, or something like that uh, to get more speed on base earlier or as often as possible. Um, but in terms of putting him, you know, hey, let's let's put him first and put Trey third or something like that, uh, I think that's a little premature because we just haven't seen what Victor Robles has adjusted to yet. Right, right. I like it. I mean, it's definitely a good problem to have if Victor does uh, kind of reach the potential everyone sees in him. I mean, you could definitely do worse in the lineup. We've seen it in years past, I'm sure. But uh, uh, speaking of guys in, um, who have been – Signed recently, uh, Michael A. Taylor <laughs> avoided arbitration, agreed to a deal. What in the world was that tweet? Is that a rap? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, like a couple of my coworkers asked me, they were like, "What? What is up with that?" Uh, so, I mean, maybe maybe you guys will appreciate this, maybe not. But like last night when it happened, uh, I was it was really late, and I was like kind of tired. Um, and, like, when I saw Michael A. Taylor re-signed, I was like, oh, Matt back, M-A-T back, you know, like he's returned. <laughs> and it made, for some reason it made me think of, like, I just heard this lyric. I, I, can't, I can't even remember who was saying it. Like, uh, a rapper had said Matt Black, like the finishing on a car, you know what I mean? Like, like the Matt Black that looks kind of shiny. And I just couldn't stop thinking Matt Black. And I couldn't, <laughs> this is, like, this is the dumbest explanation. I'm really sorry that people have to listen to this. Like, I saw Matt Black, like the car, and so I Googled Matt Black lyrics. I was like, oh, what song is that? And I couldn't find it, so I just picked the first song on Google. It's like by Wavy T or something, and just copied the, <laughs> the intro and just replaced Matt Black with Matt Black. So I was like, okay, it's like 10 at night. No one's going to see this. It's fine. <laughs> and, then, and then it became like kind of like a little bit of a thing, and I was very surprised. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but, but, but I'm glad that, I mean, it's like, honestly, for me, it's like, no, like, most people aren't going to, like, think of that. Like, oh, Michael like Taylor resigned. Like, no one's going to think about that twice. So, like, okay, we're, we're, we're talking about the Nationals. We're talking about our coverage. We're talking about Michael A. Taylor being back. Like, I'm cool with it. You know, it's, it's really dumb, but uh, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> It was definitely it a unique tweet. Yeah, I mean, it definitely <laughs> brought attention to you in the story, so I guess you, you, you nailed it. <laughs> it's, it's unique, just a, a really nice way of being like, Sam, like, you're really weird. Like, that was so odd. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got one on the topic enough. of arbitration. Uh, <laughs> changing, because <laughs> no, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> Um, so while we're on the topic of arbitration, um, 
everyone, the Nats have agreed with everyone except for Trey Turner. And I know this kind of isn't like the Nats and Mo, they don't have a history of this, but do you think they could possibly be discussing a long-term extension with Trey Turner? And that's why we kind of haven't heard anything on that front. Or do you think it's just typical arbitration? They can't come to um, terms on the number. Yeah, that's a great question. And for me, I mean, I've thought about the great question. Like, could, could that be like, could that be a, a thing that they're discussing? I don't think at this point, like, that they would be discussing a long-term deal. That's something that obviously takes a long time to come to terms with, uh, and it's it's just not something I think you you finish in this last week. Um, and if it, and if there had been discussions about a long-term deal, I think we would have heard rumblings about that, but we haven't. Um, to mm-hmm. me, it, it is it is odd because I mean we're talking at three thirty on on Friday afternoon. We still two and you know roughly two and a half hours after the deadline, we still haven't heard um, Turner's deal. Uh, it, it is odd for sure. Um, but I would imagine mm-hmm. this is this is more of them haggling over you know one you know whatever one year deal he's going to sign for next year because the Nationals traditionally are a file and trial team. A lot of teams do this thing where salary arbitration just a quick breakdown like a salary arbitration a player and a team try to come to an agreement and if you can't both teams submit a number and you go to a panel of arbiters and they decide like who's right basically they don't consider any other numbers it's just like hey. Half Street High Heat said you're worth a dollar. Sam said he's worth five dollars. They pick one, uh, and like, it, oftentimes you try to avoid that because it hurts the relationship uh, between right. the team and the player. Because like last year, Michael A. Taylor took the and the Nationals squabbled over two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars, went to arbitration. I think there was you know I think there were some hurt feelings on on both sides because Michael A. Taylor was like, why did you give me the two fifty k? And the Nationals are like, why did you like why did you bring us to court over two fifty k? Um, so, I mean, I would imagine that, you know, they want to avoid that. They view Trey as a franchise cornerstone. Um, mm-hmm. I assume we'll hear something like, you know, in those talks soon. Um, but a long-term extension seems unlikely at this point, I would say. All right. All right. That's gotcha. it. Yeah, well, obviously they need to save that money for Soto, and then after, <laughs> once they let Soto walk, they need to save that money for Eboom, and it just keeps going and going. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, th- I think that's it for me. Ron, you have anything else? No, that's uh, that's all I got for mine. Oh, man. So, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have anything you want to – any stories to behind tweets or uh, past childhood experiences you want to get out while you have the chance? No, no, I feel like I've embarrassed myself plenty. I'll, I'm going to cut it off right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining everyone, us, man. Yeah. Everyone, go follow Sam Fortier on Twitter, Sam4TR, right? The number 4TR. Did I get that right? Nice. Off the top of my head, too. All right, Sam. Part-time rapper, part-time modeler, and full-time journalist. We we appreciate you being on the, on the pod. Thanks, man. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate hey, have a good weekend, man. You too. <laughs> All right. Big thanks to best friend Sam Fortier. Big trust. Uh, <laughs> big trust. Uh, part-time gangster rapper, part-time childhood modeling uh persona and full-time Washington Post reporter, um, also full-time best friend of the podcast. Uh, Ryan, I mean, you were there. Top five interview of all time.
Uh, I want to say top two, and it's not two. Um, the guy's just unreal. It was, it was big J journalism throughout. Um, straight class. I really hope he looks better in green now, but great interview. Um, always a pleasure to have I'm him on sorry the show. I missed that one, but I sounded like death, and I figured nobody wanted to hear that. So I, I, I will have to listen to it like everybody else. Yeah, and I mean, with the, the him texting me right away, I just wanted to say that as much as possible. Like, build up my cloud a little bit. I mean, he texts me right away. Gotcha. Um, but just Sam's so you know, hey like, guys, guys, stay text. He's got, he's got a cell phone number. But Sam's also just a digits. good a good guy. Like he didn't like throw a fit when we brought up the modeling thing, and he told us a story about the Mike Lay Taylor tweet and and all this stuff. So if you don't follow Sam on Twitter definitely do so he's a very good guy and he will be back in the podcast in the future so thanks again to sam fortier um but moving on we have some interesting nat stuff to get to including a winterfest recap and some comments by mike rizzo which kind of seemed overdue if you think about it like it seems like at this point during the year, we usually get some questionable Risso comments that we have to like overanalyze, and we haven't gotten that this off season. But here comes Winterfest to save the day with some questionable Risso comments. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just um, setting it up. He's letting us all know he's not signing Josh Donaldson or any other third baseman that we're going to roll with what we've got and Carter Keeper. So all of you Nats fans, be prepared. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, it was it was his typical stick like. You know, he has to say, these are guys, I love our guys, I have faith in him. He says it all the freaking time, even though he doesn't, you know, have to believe it I mean, or mean it. He just got to say that publicly because, you know, you can't be like, yeah, you know, our, our third base situation's terrible. The guys we have suck. Like, we're not going to replace we're doing or have a good lineup. So that was his typical PR stick. But he does have to say, well, he can't say they're not in on Josh Donaldson because it's illegal under the CBA. So him kind of saying, yeah, well, you know, we're not out of anyone, baby, is pretty much saying, like, hey, our offer's on the table, but it's really not. Um, if he wants to come here, great, but, like, we're not going to actively pursue Josh Donaldson. We're kind of going to roll with what we got, which Sam said during our interview, which, by the way, was before Rizzo's comments, so Big J journalism for Sam. Uh, <laughs> breaking the news. <laughs> breaking the news that the Nats were going to roll into the season with a third base plan. Um, it sucks, but I understand it. I mean, there's red flags with Donaldson. I do think he makes the team better, but at the end of the day, like you're never truly going to replace Rendon. So them rolling into their season with third base as is, it sucks, but hey, what can you do? Um, and then I also can't really remember what else he said. I know he talked for like 20 more minutes. I'm trying to like find the article right now. Yeah, it was basically <laughs> along those lines. Like it was about what they t- would expect going into the season. And obviously at this point uh, with all the signings we've had recently, it was centered around third base. Um, I think with obviously Donaldson, I'm honestly shocked he hasn't signed yet because he has offers. Um, but it's just not where he wants. Yeah, I guess. Um, like it doesn't look like he's going to the Nats. Um, it looks like Arenado probably will get traded, and it looks like the Cardinals are the heavy favorites. Um, so I would expect that deal to get done before spring training, or sometime during spring training. So obviously that's two of the big names off the board. It leaves Chris Bryant, but it sh- things are just so up in the air with his arbitration grievance 
that it's an, almost impossible to trade for him r- right now. So I think going into the year, and don't even mention Kyle Seeger, that's like not even worth it to me. Um, but going into the uh, to start the year, at least, I, I think, yeah, you do just have to roll with what you've got. And hopefully, uh, maybe Castro has like a, a big resurgence and provides some pop. Obviously, like Ryan said, you can't replace Rendon fully, but hopefully he supplements that in some areas. Hopefully, Keyboom shows that he can like hold down a position, whether it be second base or third base, um, there could be a possibility where Kibum becomes the everyday second baseman and Castro shifts to third because um, Castro has openly said that he wants an opportunity to play at third because he played there a little bit last year and he felt like he was pretty comfortable there and he's only gotten better in the offseason working there. So that's certainly a possibility. We might not see like as Dribble Cabrera uh, or Howie Kendrick like as an everyday starting lineup person as is the plan right now. So there is a, a potential for it to be solved, but I, I would expect a move to be made at the trade deadline because we're going to be competitive. Um, but as it stands now, the, the offense, the lineup is not where it needs to be to be as competitive as some of the other teams in the division, but being the Nats um, and defending world series tight or champions and, um, just a, a team that doesn't really fold. Uh, I would expect them to make a move at the deadline to improve that offense. Maybe a third, maybe a yeah. first, maybe another position. But yeah, to start the season, I would expect the roster is what it is. Rizzo has a tendency to like make these comments and then like the next day go out and address the position he said was a strength. Like literally every single year with the bullpen, he does that. So I'm like still sitting here just hoping he makes a move because this lineup right now is very poopy. Um, so it's interesting comments, okay. but it's just typical GM stick. And, um, I still hope they make another move, but this is probably going to be their opening day lineup is who yeah. they got in the team right now. I hope they make another move, but I don't think they will. But having said that, I think we're going to go in with what we've got. And if, if it's a big weakness or we're not staying competitive, that they'll make a move on the, you know, mm-hmm. run up to the trade deadline. But having said that, I also wouldn't be shocked if, he signs Donaldson tomorrow or trades for right. Arenado or Bryant. Like nothing. Rizzo is always surprising me. So I, I do feel like that. I don't think that the lineup is poopy as it is. I think that it's, it's missing a it's big poopy. bat it's and poopy. that it, I Grab don't know. Freeze. I disagree with you. Light a scented candle. I disagree. Who, who's the threat? <laughs> like they have a bunch of role guys who come off career years at age 34 plus. Like yeah. you can't expect them to do the same but thing. But you never know. Oh, There's a lot of guys who had career years. If you had asked me at the beginning of the year if Howie Kendrick were going to do what he did, I would have said no. So you never know. But I, mean, I think he's going to roll with what he's got and see if somebody is, is You're putting a lot back. of trust in a lot of role yeah. guys. Yeah. Like, but the I trust top that he'll get great. somebody if we need him. I wish he'll. Yes. Do, I wish he did before the season. But if it's obvious we need somebody, he'll get somebody. Yeah, yes. Just hope. Yeah. It'll be all right. Good to see. And Rizzo, we trust. Hashtag. I know y'all hate that. <laughs> so if if it is done, if he doesn't sign any more people, what's your grade for the off season? B B. I give it a B. I'll I'd give it a B as well. I'd say C C plus. Like getting Strauss back is great. Um, they did yeah. get out Will Harris. Good. But I don't think they did enough to replace their production of Rendon like they did a great job replacing Bryce. Different, right. completely weaker, like off, like free agency class. But as of right now, I give them, I'll give them a C plus right now. 
Yeah. I don't know how you can give a C plus to to Will Harris and Strasburg. Well, okay. I only well they added more guys, but I, I I see what Ryan was saying. Like quantity doesn't exactly mean quality. Like Rendon was a quality piece we lost, and just because we signed guys doesn't mean it replaces that quality. Um, so I get it. But I, I love that he's addressing the bullpen in a way he's never done before. Like Same. he's on, like he gave out two multi-year deals to relievers. So I think that's a good start, and we can only hope for the best. So it is what it is, and we All know right. he'll make he'll make a move if uh, if he needs to. All right, so we're moving on to a more fun segment. We want to look back once again on some of the most notable, memorable players in that's history that you absolutely do not remember. So we are going to give our top three favorite, most random Nats of all time. Um, plenty of them to choose from, uh, but we'll, we'll do our honorable mentions at the end because I, I do have a couple. But Ryan, give us your number three. Oof, my number three. Uh, this guy played... He played 15 years in the league. He retired in 2016 um, and just very randomly played two seasons with the Nats in 2005, <laughs> 2006. Like, he, he wasn't even, like, with the Expos. He just randomly appeared for the Nats and just, like, went away after that. Um, and that is my man's Marlon Bird. Everyone listens right now. Like, wow. oh, yeah, Marlon Bird did play I for the Nats. I forgot he was a National. <laughs> That's the point. He was with the Nats. The greatest player in Nationals history. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Well, I, I guess I, I forgot to preface that Amanda did not do her homework, and she is... No, uh, I didn't. So she, no. she's strictly commentary on this on this part of the podcast, <laughs> which I know we all love. Um, but <laughs> wow. my number... My, <laughs> my number three is also going back to the RFK Nat stays. I, I don't know if he was part of the Expos. I would if I had to guess that he was, because I'm pretty sure he was with that inaugural team. But I'm gonna throw out the name Daryl Ward. I don't know if <laughs> any of you guys remember. I don't even remember him. Who the hell is remember Darryl him? Ward? Nope, I got nothing. Nope. Yeah, we lost Nick. Did we lose Nick? All right, I guess. What? He's talking. That's what you get when you call me strictly commentary, son. <laughs> uh, we can now. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. you're back. What about now? Mm-hmm. Now? Yep. Hey. Okay. Son of a bitch. Okay. Whoa. Um, bad word. Is that a bad word? <laughs> I'll edit it out. Relax. Uh, okay. Um, I don't remember what position he played only because he, he, the only time he ever got into the game was to pinch it and obviously off the bench. And specifically, he only ever pinch hit when the base is in scoring position. Like I know in one season, three pinch hit grand slams. And that was like as a 10-year-old kid or however old I was at that time. Like that was awesome. Like you're getting paid paid to play baseball and all you do is hit pinch at grand slams like the dream yeah that is kind of awesome i do like, <laughs> I don't even remember him but that's pretty cool that's the whole i do point. have one i'm gonna throw one out here on the list as i'm okay. thinking about it one matt of one albers, <laughs> matt oh, albers. Matt Al- he had a great season for us <laughs> he had a great season and then was at brewers right did he go to the brewers i think yes 
Yeah, but he was awesome, like totally out of nowhere. I was like, who is this guy? And he was just like had a career year and was awesome. And then I was sad when he didn't come back. So, <laughs> All right, Ryan, you're number two. My number two, you know, you, know, you just look at oh, There's a lot of freaking random people who played for the Nats back in the day. <laughs> True. But this guy has the greatest name in sports. Played eight years. No, don't Again, take it. Don't take it. Played two years with the Nats. I don't think he played a hundred combined no. games. But my man's Willie Mo Pena. No. <laughs> wow. He was a national. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'll jump. What the are your favorites, here. or is it just because of his name? <laughs> it's the greatest name in sports. Yeah. No, Willie Mo Pena is my number one. I'll just talk about him now. He, like whenever someone like is trying to remember a player and like they can't remember and they're trying to be so serious because it's bothering them, I'll just throw out the name Willie Mo Pena <laughs> because it's so funny every single time. Like you'll hear Ryan say Lonnie Chisenhall, <laughs> like Lonnie Chisenhall. Lonnie Chisenhall is to Ryan what Willie Mo Pena is to me. Like I'll just throw out the name because it's so funny to say Willie Mo Pena is such a great net. Oh man, miss that guy. Um. <laughs> But I went out of order, so that was my number one. Uh, Ryan, what's your number one? My number one, the gr- I, I will die in this hill. He's a top five player in Nationals history. Niger Morgan. Um, no, I, I do love him, though, but he's too important to this history. Um, <laughs> he played three years with the Expos, one year with the Nats, and then surprisingly played until 2013. Um, that is Christian Guzman. Oh, no. Jamie, Jamie Carroll. <laughs> the Nationals starting second baseman in their inaugural season, Jamie Carroll. He was god awful. Um, and then he went to Colorado and a bunch of different teams and somehow managed to stay in baseball until 2013. Um, love the guy. I remember my like youth baseball team went to Velocity and like Jamie Jamie Carroll trained there, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And then he fell off the face of the earth and we never saw him again. So he is my number one. Oh. My my number two, because again I went out of order, is uh Dimitri Young because I remember there was one year where he was like our sole representative at the All-Star game, <laughs> which is so funny, man. We had some <laughs> terrible All-Stars. Uh, but Dimitri Young was like kind of fun and I don't know how long he was on the team. It might have just been one year, but like that one year was a blast, man. He was so fun to watch and like he probably earned an all-star nod, but it's just so funny. So funny, man. I miss those RFK, uh, <laughs> I almost called them Exos, RFK Nats. Like, it was just a different brand. Like, some of you fans listening might not have been a fan in, until recently, which is fine. But those RFK days were different. They just hit different, man. Um, Ryan, what are your summer, do you have any honorable mentions? Lasting's Millage. Yep, that, that was on my <laughs> list, too. I ha- also had Dimitri John- Young. Well, I said Dimitri Young. I also had John Roush, like the tallest human alive. (laughs) I'll never forget. He's not really very random, but what about Adam LaRoche? I always liked Adam LaRoche. See, I had Michael Morse on my list because, again, he's not random. Yeah, he's not very random either. But he is random at the same time just because he came out of nowhere and then kind of left just as quickly as he got here. Yeah, but Uh, left um, a lasting impression. Yeah, just like lasting smillage. <laughs> and who was that guy? Jeremy somebody? Isn't it Jeremy somebody who gave up like a gazillion runs at Mets 
to the Mets in that first inning and then Jeremy got Guthrie. Left, left baseball. Jeremy Guthrie. Guthrie. Wow. Oh, yeah. I can never remember his last name. But good yeah, call. He, that's pretty random. And he seemed like a good dude, man. That was hard to watch. Yeah, I good dude just sucked like, the baseball. Yeah. yeah, but I was like, oh, my God, get him out. Why are you just letting him twist in the wind like that? It's brutal. Get him out of the damn game. What about yeah, uh, hard one. John Lannon, anyone? I was going to say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like John Lannon. He's funny on Twitter. Uh, I don't follow Matt him. Matt Weeders. <laughs> He's not going on my favorite list in any way, shape, or form, even as a rando. I love Matt Weeders. He's the greatest catcher in Nationals history. Off, uh, the top, off the top of your head, can either of you name the pitcher who started the inaugural game at Nats Park? Roger Bernardino. No. It's a good random <laughs> one, though. Brian Schneider. No, he just got named the AAA manager of the Mets. Hey, Nick Johnson. <laughs> no, I think it's... Matthew Oh, it's is it O'Dallas Perez or Oliver Perez? It's one of the two, but that just goes to show my point. Oh, Oliver Perez, Perez. that's a good random random. one too. (laughs) Yeah, I liked him. He's fun to watch. All the different deliveries. It was always funny to see what he was going to do. Yeah, like inaugural game at at Nats Park. That was him. It wasn't even Levon Hernandez, who was like all time Nat. (laughs) Freaking Oliver Perez, but. Just goes to show, man. It's fun to look back and think of all the random players that How you play for your gone. team. <laughs> I know, man. Oh, gosh. Yeah, imagine Dimitri, if you were like a Yankees podcast, how many of these you could come up with, these uh, random no. players. <laughs> oh, an- another one, Matt Caps. He Matt was our Caps. lone representative at the All-Star Game and then got traded for Wilson Ramos. Who who was the guy who would sprint in? Oh, Todd Coffey. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah, he's a good one, too. Coffee time. <laughs> Oh yeah, man. There's a lot of good, lot of good ones for this category. Yeah, awesome. And oh god, well, it's bad memories. But Henry Rodriguez. Oh god, Oof. remember when? Remember when he was like the next, the next big thing? Jeez. Or Soriano. Dakota Glover. Gosh. Drew yeah. Storen. <laughs> Don't talk to me about Drew Storen. Drew Storen. I'm triggered when I hear the the words Drew Storen. I can't. <laughs> can't deal with it. All right. Well, I think that does it. But once again, tweet us at your or uh, at. Oh gosh, I cannot talk. <laughs> tweet us with your most random favorite players in Nats history. We'd love to hear them because there's definitely like a lot that we missed. <laughs> so whatever you guys. Oh think yeah, that's of. a great one to throw out to Twitter. Ooh. Give us some of yours because there's a Ooh. lot of good. I just choices. thought of another one. Ben Revere. Remember when he was supposed Ooh. to be the savior? <laughs> Yeah, man, that was that was, happened in just one little quick minute, and then it was over. <laughs> I know, but tweet us, let us know. Um, before we wrap up, let's do everyone's favorite segment and do Twitter questions. So the first one we kind of talked about, but it's from at Finch960, and she says, speculate the hell out of the theory. Which current team slash owners would pay for a World Series win for $5 million, four draft picks, and some sacrificial lambs? Every single one. Teams would pay a every hell of a lot more one. for a World Series ring. Like I, especially every sport. Yeah. Like teams would do any teams will do anything to win. Like especially that. Like we talked about, every team would sign up for that. Let's just talk about like look at I'm only using the Nats in terms of money and the fact that they won the most recent one. Like they're spin they went like 
as close to luxury tax as you can over in years past, that's 200 million plus to win a world series, this $5 million for draft picks and cutting salary by having your GM and <laughs> manager fired. Yeah. Every, every man or every owner is going to take that deal. It's just right, the exactly. What does the owner care? He doesn't care yeah. about a couple of scapegoats, right? Yeah. It, it, it's nothing. It's, it, it's nothing. Um, so yes, every team, Next question from at the rally mullet. Who is going to be the hashtag Nats fifth starter? I think Fetty is the only one that's out. No, Fetty has another option, so it's not going to be him. So I think Ross it's going to be Ross. Ross are out. Yeah, so options. Ross is probably going to be the starter. Um, and then, like the other one's probably going to be the bullpen just because they're out of options. And just for mm-hmm. that alone, they're going to be the one. They're probably going to have like a rotating door at the five, which. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's your like fifth they, starter. Like they do. Yeah, like yeah. it's a fifth starter spot. Like, who cares? But I think Ross is going to be the opening day guy. They're going to try to get more out of him. Even though they, they like, hate him, they keep changing his role, I think they'd stick to it for a little this year. <laughs> Even a, though they, like, hate him. <laughs> I am a Joe Ross stan. <laughs> like, I for, for no reason, really. Like, I mean... I like the guy, I guess, but I'm a Joe Ross stand, so I hope it's Joe Ross, but yeah, he definitely has more potential, and I think they'll give it to him at first, but we, we all know Voth is going to be starting games in that fifth spot at some point mm-hmm. down the line, and Ross will be bumped to the bullpen, and Ross's future is with another team, like, because the Nats do hate him for whatever reason, and he still has, he's like an intriguing, uh, like, reclamation project for, yeah, for a team. Some team will be like, we can do better with him than the Nats did and we'll take yeah, our hands at some point. Exactly. So it's going to be Joe Ross for now. But <clears throat> next question at KL comments, how big a hero is Trey Turner? No one knew uh, how he was playing through pain all season. No one oh, knew. He's such a badass. No yeah, one he, knew he how like, he was. That he was like weird. Zero weird fingers. <laughs> uh, no one like, yeah, She's saying, like, no one really knew how bad his finger was. No, I know. Just worded weird. Um, And he played through. Like, that's great. He's football tough. Yeah, man. He was awesome. To think about, he hit, was it 298? The guy hit basically hit 300 with nine Mm -hmm. fingers. And that's what's, like, rebuilding his his swing on the fly in the middle of the season after coming off the DL. I mean, it's, it's hero stuff. He's awesome. I love Trey Turner. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, Just hope he learns how to bunt. Um, next question from our friend at Kai Braddock. Is that Kai dude on the show? He's going to be on our uh, episode where we're live from Chili's. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, we'll have to he's... interview a bunch of the listeners when we do our live show at Chili's. We'll just have people come up and rotate, talk to he, the listeners. He's That'd with awesome. us in spirit because <laughs> he hasn't had his Twitter account uh, clapped in a while. So. Yeah, yeah he's losing his touch. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Just like Ryan's losing his touch trolling people on Twitter. I know. Um, <laughs> and final question from at Soto Season. Should the Astros be required to trade Bregman to the Nats as contingency for crushing their cheating dreams? Uh, yes. Yes. And then the Red Sox <laughs> have to trade yes Mookie Betts to the Nats as well. And I like it, but not trade, Nat- just give. The, <laughs> the Nats are acquiring Arenado after Bryant so they can play Bryant in center field. Yeah, and then have Mookie nice. Betts in right field and just punt out of Yeah, and then they're going to put Zim in left field. 
as his <laughs> farewell tour, and then Soto's going to play nice. first base. Yeah. Because he's got such a great arm these days to throw in. Yes. Left field. Exactly. Well, He'd Chris Bryant's like... such a good center fielder that he can cover left field, too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Exactly. All right, so we actually just added some tweets of the week. Yeah, so <laughs> done this good a while. I'm excited. We've, we've done the worst tweet tweet of the week, the who's mad of the week, but now we got tweet of the week um, in the big cat voice. This league, um, we got MLB players going at it about this Astros drama. In case you guys didn't see it, we got it. Um, starting off with Paul Loduca, um, TBT. He tweeted, because Carlos Beltran was under investigation for this, he tweeted, I wish Carlos Beltran had the signs after I walked in the 2006 playoffs. For those of you who don't <laughs> know, um, in Game 7 of the LCS, he walked to load the bases with two outs, and Carlos Beltran came up, bases loaded, two outs, and watched a fastball down the middle, chased a curveball out of the dirt, and then watched a curveball down the middle to strike out in the Mets season, in case you guys didn't know that. Um, Trevor Bauer, who is great on Twitter, even though he's kind of a douchebag, but he's having know, a blast with this. Uh, he is. <laughs> yes, running. he is. No one's happier than Trevor Bauer. He is <laughs> running with this, tweeting a lot. Um, but he quoted Alex Bregman's tweet from 2018. Alex Bregman said, quoting Trevor Bauer, relax, Tyler, those World Series balls spin a little different. And then Trevor Bauer quoted and said, hashtag take it back, heart emoji. This league, sheesh. And then my <laughs> yeah. favorite drama of the week, um, if <laughs> Lance McCullers and Trevor Bauer were going at it on Twitter because Trevor Bauer tweeted waving emojis at Lance McCull- McCullers and said, Happy New Year. Um, someone dropped the Instagram post of uh, Mike Clevenger's wife when she called him out for cheating on him and like just left his wife and his daughter. And then Lance McCullers responded to that because Trevor Bauer dropped some quote from the Bible. And he was like, damn, Bauer outage. I'm lost right now. Yeah, I didn't follow that. Uh, That's okay. I didn't follow that. Um, I'm not repeating it. So Lance (laughs) Lance McCullers responded to the tweet of someone calling out Lance McCullers. I'm sorry, Mike Clevenger for cheating on his wife. And Lance McCullers said, damn, Bauer outage. Drop that book of God again. Quote for the homie Mike Anthony, which Mike uh, Clevenger responded to. Yeah, drop your ERA first and speak another word about something you have no idea about. And we can be talking in person. Come from the man cheating on his wife. He's going to bring up your trash ERA. And that is our episode of This League. This league. That's nice. That's good drama with the MLB players on Twitter this week. I, that one reminded me of the uh, Jimmy <clears throat> Seafood with the pull up and ask with the Twitter guy. I laughed so hard. That's the funniest thing I've seen. I was like, how is this website pull up free? <laughs> Real talk. And like, I know some people won't like it because baseball is like a pure game, blah, 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 blah. But this kind of Twitter drama is good for the game. Oh, 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. Like, drama look at, is good for good for entertainment value, and that's good for something that's an entertainment right. product. It means money. Like, look at the NBA. Like, how many like P- Kevin Durant has like multiple burner accounts and like <laughs> clapping back at people, and people just accept it now. Like, it, it's like a funny thing. Like people, Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Antonio Brown's Dear another Lord. perfect just example. Like, people are looking forward to athletes tweeting, and we don't get a lot of that in baseball. But now this is it's kind of branching out a little bit, definitely not on the level as NFL or NBA, but it's getting there. And it's exciting because once like the like 
doors are wide open, just blown open. We're going to get some very juicy stuff. People bringing up like all kinds of stuff I that mean, went down. Yeah, these I'm guys basically live together for, for six months of the year. Right, exactly. They know some stuff about each other. I'm here <laughs> for it. Like, I imagine mean, if Papelbon and Bryce like were active on Twitter, oh <laughs> like God. in 2015 or whenever it, it was. Would have been so good. Put it in my veins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just got some drops about people cheating on their wives like let's get this like let's turn this tea up even more man like let's get fun and let's get weird on twitter because i am living for all this <laughs> yeah i'm here for it i'm here for it here for it all right you guys got anything else before we wrap up Go daggers. i don't think so <laughs> Go sorry for the delay by one day this week everybody thank you for uh waiting on me because i wouldn't have even been able to talk enough to do this yet. yeah no that was that was worth it I know, and we got yeah. to talk about all this Astro stuff, which would have been a week old if I know. we had waited, if we had recorded yesterday. So it worked out. Yeah, God's plan. <laughs> My bronchitis right. was God's plan. My <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of the plan. Don't fight it. All right. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter uh, for that drama uh, you get until the MLB players release their drama on Twitter. Uh, Ryan and I at DC Natchak. Amanda at a white seven eight seven seven, and the show at Half Street High Heat. Um, and also, this is on me. If I failed to mention at the top of the podcast, but we partnered with the Nats Report at the Nats Report. Um, they're sending out daily emails with all the latest Nats news and also MLB news and articles um, from people like Jesse Doherty, uh, Ken Rosenthal, all kinds of sources. Sam Fortier. So, yeah, Sam Fortier. Yes, thank you. Um, it's all condensed in, in one location, so if you're not active on Twitter, you can sign up for the email reports and get it straight to your email every morning, so that's great. We partner with them, so be sure to subscribe to them, and as always, subscribe and review us. Um, but from Amanda, Ryan, and myself, we thank you, and we will see you later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later The early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Thank you.
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.